I had an amazing time with Susan today. There are only a small handful of people in the world that have built an audience of over 2 million fans as an individual creator, then launched that into a brand that's done over $50 million in retail sales last year and growing this year. Remember, if you enjoyed the show, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone. Explore the minds and marketing strategies behind today's winning brands and businesses. Tap into the power of the creator economy with Earned by Creator IQ. Here's Connor Begley. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Earned. Today, we have Susan Yara, the founder of Naturium, as well as a very celebrated on-air producer, reporter, creator, influencer. You've really got kind of the full, the full <laughs> bandwidth of things going. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this should be fun. We ran into each other at that WWD summit where I think we got to see uh, Pharrell speak, who is also a pretty good speaker as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He was actually way more inspiring than I expected. I think like uh, these days when you hear that a celebrity is going to have some kind of a beauty beauty line, especially skincare, you're not that you're not really expecting them to inspire you when they get up on stage. But he was actually inspiring. Yeah, I was surprised at how uh, well spoken he was. And again, in a really, you know, in a really intimate setting, hung out for a long mm -hmm. time afterwards. It was, it was cool. You can see at times why, uh, you know, why people have done well. And I think yep. that was the case there. Absolutely. Um, well, for those that don't know you, I want to just kind of throw out a few facts. We'll start kind of personal, then we'll, we'll talk about Naturium. So um, not only were you reporter, influencer, creator, brand builder, whatever, you're also Miss New Mexico in 2004. <laughs> Um, some of the publications you've been a part of, Glamour Magazine, Pop Sugar, Total Beauty, Forbes, uh, helped launch New Beauty Magazine. I'm sure I'm missing a few in there. And then Naturium, um, Taylor, who's my partner in crime on the podcast, was a huge fan and excited to have you on here. And I pulled some stats. So as of uh, 2020, you guys were the number 115th ranked skincare brand. Oh, okay. Number 73 in 2021 and then okay. accelerating more in 2022. So in uh, number 63 for 2022 so far. So moving up the rankings really quickly. Um, and you're not, you know, people sometimes those big numbers can sound weird, but like you're passing big names. So you've passed Garnier, Glossier, Lancome, Chanel Skincare. So you're, you're crushing it. Congrats. Congrats. Woo! I know two and a half years. We've done a lot in two and a half years. It's pretty wild. And then on top of that, again, I don't know how you do all these different things, but you've got a million and a half subscribers on YouTube, 400,000 on Instagram, I think a couple hundred thousand on TikTok. So collectively, you know, over 2 million fans. So uh, yeah, good on you. I'm excited. To, <laughs> excited to <figure> out <laughs> Thank how you. you. Do, do we not include Pinterest and Facebook uh, stats anymore? No, kidding. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I'd actually love to start actually at the top with that kind of you know, you, I think, have been in a unique position mm -hmm. from a career perspective to have seen this kind of digital transformation that's occurred in media generally, because um, you were originally doing kind of more traditional media, right? Magazines, TV, that kind of stuff um, in a digital world, and then have transitioned that to actually being, you know, a brand builder. So talk to me a little bit about that journey, what the last, call it 15, 20 years has been like. Um, as well as how that informed your content creation career. And then we'll kind of get into the brains. Yeah. The so, um, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, influencer is the term these days, but I yeah. do think of myself more as a producer, as a content creator. Um, and I think that that is because of my, my media background. So I started off as a broadcast news reporter, 
So I was in the streets. I was in New York City. You know, I was a one man band, which is a uh, you know probably more common these days than not. Just because uh, you know it's cheaper for these media companies. So you know they used to send me out to crime scenes and everything all by myself. I'd have to set up my big tripod, my big camera, figure out my shot, you know, record myself, come back, edit my own videos, you know, for the news. And, um, and that really, you know, I don't want to, I want to go back to, I had no idea that was how the news worked. I did not know because it always looks like it's like a huge team. It's like, when you're going live, it's a huge team, not a huge team, but when you go live, you obviously have somebody with you. They have to set up the satellite and do all of that kind of stuff. Right. But when you yeah. are just doing a news package, right, one of those like quick reports, you know, that it looks like you're on the field, um, you can be all by yourself. It doesn't take a whole team to do that. Sometimes you'll have yeah. a videographer go out with you, like if it's late at night, like if it's something potentially dangerous, right? Like there, it's a crime scene, yeah. you know, active crime scene, something like that. You'll have somebody with you. You're not going to go out. They're not going to send a, a woman, especially out by herself. But when, uh, when it's not, you know, it's cheaper for the company to have you do everything. And at the time, I completely hated that. But when I think back, right, you know, into my like early 20s, it taught me so much that has like led to this career that I have today, right? So I started off in news, completely hated it, by the way. It was so depressing to just constantly have bad news to share with everybody because that's what Mm. you have to find, right? Even if there were inspiring stories, those got cut. You had to always just share the crime or the like anything that was salacious, right? Which we see still transferred to, you know, social media today. Um, And then, uh, you know, I went into, so I I applied for a job at Forbes magazine. And at the time they were doing something that was so radical and new and revolutionary. They were starting Forbes.com. And it was, (laughs) you know, like it sounds crazy to say right now, but like this was 2003 I think Facebook was still a college um, social media platform. Like it wasn't available to, it was just starting to become available to the public. And um, I remember we even brought, you know, Mark Zuckerberg in for an interview to discuss this new radical idea of like having this social media platform. You know, I don't even know if we called it social media at the time. It's just like, you know, it was this thing called Facebook, you know? And, um, you know, so they were starting their .com. They wanted to really put a focus on lifestyle content and, that included anything that billionaires did with their money for fun, which sounded like an amazing opportunity. It was embarrassing, though, because they wanted to start video, right? And that was one of the reasons why they brought me on board was because I had all this experience in video broadcast and just broadcast in general, right? Um, so they needed kind of like the lead anchor for all of this. Mm-hmm. And that's who I was going to become at Forbes.com and for the Forbes Video Network. Um and, you know, it was kind of embarrassing. It was still dial up. You know, Google didn't even own YouTube at the time. I think they they bought it the year after I started at Forbes. Um, and so it was kind of like this whole new journey of like learning about the digital space um, and then realizing how how much um, reach we actually had. You know, mm-hmm. brands would reach out and they'd be like, oh, that we love this article that you wrote on our, you know, our lipstick or our skincare products. But is it going to be in the book, meaning like the magazine? Yeah, and I would yeah. tell them, I'd be like, don't worry, it's going to have like millions of views. And they'd be like, and at that time, like a, an article online would get you like 24 million views on average because there weren't that many people doing it. Right. Mm. So it was this like really new experience. And that really launched my entire online career, because from there I went to I mean, every publication at that point started dot com and they needed people who had been in, in the dot-com space and understood that space. And I was one of those very rare people who understood the original 
way of handling media and the new way of handling media. So it really put me in a great position. Again, looking back, didn't think it at the time. But then as I start to rise up in my career, it definitely, you know, has led to where I am today. And, and that eventually led to, you know, starting video networks or like YouTube channels for different media companies, the final one being New Beauty Magazine. And at New Beauty Magazine, I mean, it was just an overhaul of their dot com completely. Because I was like, you need to have all of it, you need to now have all the social media channels, you need to have a really good website that's functioning well before you can even start a YouTube channel because you need to have all of it. And so I got to really do that. And I think that helped give me the confidence to go off on my own because at that yeah. point, you know, at, nobody was putting any budget. I don't think they even still put that much budget into the dot com stuff, right? So when they're not giving you a budget, you're kind of like, well, if I don't get a budget and I need to figure all this out without a budget, I can do this on my own. And so, you know, that's where social media was going anyway. And that's been one of the biggest changes in social media and the social media landscape is that it's no longer about a media company. It's about the personality and people follow a personality. And, and so I think that's why social media has really taken off. Yeah. I think the professionalization of content on that is designed for kind of online consumption is fascinating. I mean, so you look at like, you know, I think part of what made the whole Mr. Beast thing successful, right? Which, I mean, like at this point, I think it's kind of a case study. Yeah. Um, you know, he's putting $5 million into a video, $10 million into an individual YouTube video that is only designed for consumption on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's crazy, right? But those were budgets that were getting put into kind of more traditional uh, kind of formatted media. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating to watch, right? To yep. watch that become like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. This is a new media channel in the same way the ones the old ones were and frankly you might even be able to monetize it better in the long run right yeah. so um so for you talk to me about kind of how that led to <clears throat> mixed makeup right which was i think kind of your biggest breakout success in terms of kind of the building block for all the other kind of media entities mm -hmm. what made you decide that that's the right idea that's what i want to focus on i know some of it has to do with your background and how you're raised and those kinds of things but talk to me a little bit about that as well as like, like what makes successful content, right? So what is it like, cause people didn't just subscribe to your channel for no reason, right? They did it for a reason. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about how that led to mixed makeup and then ultimately how, you know, when you think about what makes a good piece of content, what does that mean? What, what boxes does it need to check? Yeah. Um, so I, um, so, okay. So mixed makeup, I, you know, I, I don't know if you've got, I'm sure you have, cause you own your own businesses when you go through, you know, like trying to find a name that you can trademark, right. Even, yeah. you know, now yeah. I think it's even worse, but back then it was still a terrible thing to do. Like you'd have to go through all these exercises of trying to figure out a name that's not taken, especially on social media and a website and all of it. Right. Um, and so I had owned for the longest time mixed makeup. And the concept behind it was my, it was just a personal blog about, you know, I, I have always been very, um, you know, interested in like learning more about both of the cultures that I grew up in or that I, that I am, I'm half Mexican, half Korean. Um, I grew up in a primarily uh, Latino, uh, you know, very dominated. Uh, it was a Latino neighborhood and community in New Mexico, um, a little bit in Texas. My dad was in the military and then we, you know, moved to New Mexico when he got out because that's where he's from. And so it was, uh, it was a, a predominantly Latino community. And, you know, my mom really just kind of, um, kind of, she loves Latino, the Latino community and she loves the culture. So she really just kind of accepted that as her own. And so I really grew up in this Latino community. 
But as a half Korean woman or Korean girl at the time, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, just interesting to, to grow up with a different perspective, because even though I was half Latino, the Latino kids didn't see me as Latino at all. I was Asian to them. But then if I ever like hung out with anyone Korean, you know, because my mom's friends were in town or she wanted to take me to a party or something, I was absolutely not Korean to them. Right. So it was like a very interesting <laughs> perspective growing up. And yeah. so when I came up with the blog name uh, Mixed Makeup, it was really a play on words because I was in beauty. I was a beauty editor and everything. Um, but my, I was kind of doing a little play on words with my mixed biological makeup. Right. Yeah. So I just really wanted to kind of focus on that. And th at the time also, there never really felt like there was, there was anyone like me. Right. I never met anybody who was half Asian, half Latino, especially. Right. Even though now California has, I guess, like the largest population of, of uh, half Asian, half Latino. So we're obviously starting to, to become somebody. Right. <laughs> anyway. So, so that was well, going to be hard, right. To yeah. always feel different, no matter what group you're in, mm -hmm. you're always different, right? Not bad, but different every time. Yes. And in some cases, I'm sure there was, you know, negative connotation. Absolutely. But you know, there were positives and negative negatives for sure. Um, but it really did obviously shape me. Um, and so, you know, I, I happened to have that blog and that name, it was trademarked already. I was like, let's go with this. Right. I knew I wanted to start, you know, at the time, these small digital media companies were still a thing. And so that was really the concept behind Mixed Makeup. I did not intend to be the, the main talent um, on camera for, for the channel. I, in fact, sometimes get exhausted by this whole concept of like always having to get ready and like have the certain appearance and a certain character or whatever it is online. Right. Um, and so I really didn't intend to be the main, the main face of the channel. I really wanted it to be pretty broad. Um, but you could see the trends kind of shifting with a uh, with social media at the time and i think you know the, the big the big issue with media companies even now is that it takes them so long to catch up to what the trends are even if they can see what's happening there's so much bureaucracy there's you know just everything is already set into place and they can't just make this quick shift and social media moves so quickly that if they can't mm -hmm. do that so quickly if they can't make any changes quickly then they're not going to keep up right so social media the big shift has been towards the personality, like I said, right? And so I think like the big thing to remember is that people, when they follow you, they're following you because they either feel like they're learning something from you, they're being entertained by you, they um, feel like they connect with you in some way. So if you are, you know, I like if I look at my following, a lot of my following is like Asian moms or Latina moms, right? Like they, they feel like they connect. I, I actually realized recently there are a lot of people of mixed biological race, right? That follow me as well, because yeah. we all have this very unique perspective. So people are actually, you know, like, you know, they're, they're seeing something that they connect with in you as the creator. So that's like, number one is to always remember that they follow you, right? Like you are the yeah. person that they are following. And there's a reason for that. Um, I think the second thing to remember though, is it goes back to that either you're entertaining or you're educating or you're doing both. Right. And so you have to always do that. I think, you know, especially with TikTok. I see a lot of the young creators who I speak to, especially that are trying to build their, their social media. They don't add any value though, right? Like sure mm -hmm. you could be cute and maybe you'll get lucky and you'll get really popular because you have really cute outfits on and stuff that you show. But there are a lot of people doing that. And there are a lot of cute people out there, right? <laughs> right? Like it's, <laughs> what is it that stands out of you, about you? Even if you don't think that you were, um, you know, like even growing up, if you were teased because you weren't, I guess like, stereotypically cute to everybody else or something like that use that you know like this is what mm -hmm. is what what's going to make you stand out so you have to add some type of value 
for me, it was, you know, showing, talking about stuff that I feel like in beauty, in the beauty space that I felt like really didn't get the, the attention that it needed. And that was cosmetic treatments and skincare, right? Like I do, I talk about, you know, other beauty stuff too, like hair and makeup and all that stuff. But that was never my thing. I'm not a makeup artist. I'm not a hairstylist. I, you know, I just am a very informed consumer because I've been in the space for so long. And, um, and so for me, especially after I got pregnant, we talked about this actually, when, when I left to start mixed makeup, I never saw it as like, I'm going to become an influencer. I saw it as I'm going to start a media company. I'm starting a brand. Um, and, uh, and then it wasn't until I actually got pregnant and I started to experience all the changes that happened with my body and my face and my skin and everything that it really clicked for me that, you know, there is a demographic out there that's probably underserved when it comes to skincare. Cause I can't even find this information for myself. Right. At least not good information, right? Like this isn't, I'm not trying to find the latest viral product for my skin. I'm trying to find real answers here. Right. And so mm-hmm. I luckily had access as a, as a, as an ex beauty editor, as a person who had a, a, an already like a following um, at that point, like I think I had about 400,000 followers, uh, subscribers on YouTube. So I had pretty good access to uh, experts, to dermatologists and, and plastic surgeons and estheticians and everything. So I really started to put that focus on there. And I think that was the really big shift for me was, you know, I decided I was going to focus the channel in on me as the main talent and also focus in on what kind of topic I focused on. And that was skincare. Um, I also really, you know, the whole concept of the channel from the get go was there was this um, demographic of women, especially who were, you know, 25 to 35, 40 years old, which seemed like an old you know, demographic, you know, there's jokes now on TikTok and everything. Like if you were born after 1995 or something, you were like an old, or before 1995, you're like old, right? It's like, oh, this is so ridiculous. But it turns out like, you know, we're the people spending the money. We're the people with the issues. We're the people that are actually going to go and like, we need to be, we need content too. And, um, you know, so I, I thought when I was starting mixed makeup, I was like, there is this population of women who are not getting the content they need. Like everyone thinks that you should only be serving content to teenagers because they're the only ones on YouTube at the time. This is now what we talk about with TikTok, right? They're, they were the only ones on, on YouTube at the time. And I remember I was trying to get investors and everything. And they were like, oh, you're a little bit old. I was like 31. Okay. They're like, you're a little <laughs> old to be on camera. You should really be looking at like some teenagers, you know, at least like an 18 year old to bring on as, as talent. And I was like, you're not getting the point. If you create the yeah. content, it has to be better researched. It has to be better produced. It has to be high quality content. If you produce the content, they will come. You know, and, and so, you know, all these, all these men, especially were like, well, we don't, we don't know. We don't know about this. It's like cute, but now we're not going to do this. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. So that's when I went in like full force, just, you know, trying to find that demographic of women who were between the ages of like 25 to 40. Um, And it turns out I was right. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) You know, like it turns out they wanted that content, you know, and, you know, and now like I think the channel really um spans as far as the the demographic we have like anyone between like the ages of 18 to even like 50 right which is kind of wild to think um and you know the the real turn for me was when i started something called skincare reaction videos and i think the reason why that clicked for everybody was um was because it really simplified skincare but it made it educational and also very fun right very entertaining um, and so, 
once that started to happen, it just clicked for everybody. I, and I really like at the time there was like nobody talking about skincare. There were maybe like a handful of people talking about skincare and we were just, we were definitely not the cool kids. Like when we got invited to events, if we got invited to brand events and stuff, you know, um, we, nobody would talk to us. Like we were just not the cool people at all. The skincare people, not at all. There was like no community. And then after skincare reaction videos started, the community exploded. I feel like skincare just like, and we've seen, obviously you, you've probably seen the, the stats on skincare. It has been this growing, you know, topic and, and focus on social media. And I think it's because for a lot of people, and I'm not saying it was because of me entirely, obviously there are a lot of people talking about skincare, but I know for my followers, especially skincare reaction videos really helped skincare education click for them because it made, it just simplified everything. It made it less intimidating, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you, there was so much gold in those last four or five minutes. I've been trying to keep track of it all as you've been talking. And it's like, I think the first one was the entertainment piece, right? Either enter entertainment or education, or basically just being value add. Right. Mm -hmm. So most people don't ask themselves like, what is the goal? Like, what's the purpose of this content? Why would somebody read it? Why would somebody listen to it? What are they trying to learn? What are they trying to get better at? Whatever. Um, so I love that first. I think the second one was on the kind of pregnancy being the catalyst. I know that for, so my wife's pregnant on her third, right? Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. Very exciting. And uh, her sister is having her first. Okay. Um, and, you know, I remember her sister walking up to her and telling her like, oh, you know, talking about some problem. And she's like, oh, I, you know, I tried to rest and it didn't fix it and this, that. And my wife's like, yeah, that's just pregnancy. Like, that's just how you're going to feel yeah. for the next five months. Yeah. And like, if you didn't have, if she didn't have a big sister to tell her that, like, where's she going to go? Right. Cause it's such a disruptive moment and such a dramatic change in your life. And it's not only a dramatic change for a short period of time, right? One, it's a pretty long period of time that you're pregnant, but then two, um, you know, everything's different afterwards, right? It's not exactly the same yeah. after you're done either. And so whether it's skincare or your body or whatever it is, it's just a very uh, pivotal moment, right? Yep. Um, the third topic, so I love that. The third topic that was interesting was this kind of concept of age, right? So um, I was meeting with this woman named Monica, who's an influencer, creator. And, you know, she just started a year or two ago. She's up to like 250,000 fans on Instagram. I accidentally got my trash can delivered to her house in You uh, told me about this. <laughs> yes, 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 right? And um you know, I was talking to her about, so she was, uh, she's also a software engineer and she also is starting her own line, skincare or makeup line. And, um, she talked about, I was like, well, why don't you just lean into the creator thing? I'm like, you're growing so fast. Yeah. And her big concern was like, I feel like I'm going to age out of it. Right. Like I'm, it's not going to last forever as well as it's just a very difficult job, right? It's just a lot of work mm -hmm. to constantly be on, constantly cre be creating content. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit, because I'd be curious, like, how do you think about, you know, the next 20 years, right? What's the plan for the next 10 or the next 20? How much longer do you think you want to do this? Um, and then the fourth one, so let's hit that. But the fourth one, before I forget about it, that I think is interesting is, you know, obviously you launched Naturium yep. and that's what I want to get into next. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we talk a lot about, and you mentioned earlier is like, there's all these celebrity skincare lines. There's all these brands that are getting launched where people are slapping their name on it and trying to sell it, right? Because, you know, they're trying to take, whether they're a celebrity or an influencer or whatever, they're trying to take their moment in the sun yep. and make it a long lasting thing, mm -hmm. right? For sure. And I think the fact that you have become known for skincare 
is a big part of the reason that the brand is successful in skincare, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You didn't just go out and try and start, uh, you know, uh, a product in the category you didn't understand. Yeah, it would be ridiculous. Uh, like which... if I said I wanted to start a CBD line right now, or like you know, you know, something that I just like never talk about, people would be like, "That doesn't make any sense," you know. <laughs> but it's like yeah, I went, no I trip. yeah, you know, you got to focus on what you know. You got no credibility. You yeah. have no trust from your audience, and these people have more than likely been following you for many, many years, mm-hmm. right? So they like, they know you really well and they know when you know what you're talking about and they know when you don't know what you're talking about, yeah. right? And so, um, so okay, so let's get to the material next. But before we do that, I want to go back to this concept of age, age and just how you think about it, right? Because at this stage, you're going to be one of the people that has the most experience when it comes to this industry, having started when Forbes.com was just... Oh, yeah. I, right? I think I'm like maybe the... I, I Am I one of the only adults on social media at this point? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so talk to me about how you think about the next kind of 10 to 20 years. Because I do think one of the disadvantages... So one of the great advantages you have when you are the face or you're an individual creator mm-hmm. is you have that connection, right? Like, yes. oh, I'm like this person. We're similar. We have similar backgrounds, similar mm-hmm. interests. Mm-hmm. But you also have a hard time reinventing yourself, right? You can't, like, you know, Glamour Magazine reinvents itself continuously for a very particular kind of set of yeah. people. Yeah, but right? it's not working, so, right? But it's not yeah, working. Yeah, and this yeah. is, this <laughs> is the true. thing to remember. I know exactly where you're going with this question. So I actually think... Yeah. You know, I remember being a beauty editor and thinking like, well, how long can this shit go on, right? Like these like influencers (laughs) sharing their hauls and like, you know, they look cute now because they're like 16, everything looks good on their faces, right? Like wait till they have wrinkles and stuff. And here I am, I'm almost 41. I'll be 41 in a couple of months and I am still on social media. And I've now had the opportunity to see over the past decade, especially all of these people that I was like, yeah, like how long is this going to last? They're going to want to get married. They're going to want to have real careers and all that kind of stuff. We've seen that evolution now, right? And it turns out every step of their life, if they want to share it, becomes part of everybody else that's been following it, becomes part of their life too, right? That you build a community. And I think this is the big difference between real celebrities, like like an actor or a singer or something like that. A celebrity like that they're always sort of untouchable, right? Like you never really felt like you knew that much about them. You always feel like it's a character. You don't know anything. This is why like the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, you know, um, uh, trial was so interesting to everybody was because you were getting this insight into like very like interesting people that don't live by the same rules as the rest of us, right? Like it's just different. But when it comes to your social media people that you follow, you you know a lot about them, right? Like you feel like you have become friends almost with these people. Even when I hear, you know, like a guy friend of mine, you know, like he follows somebody who is like a stock trader or something. And he knows everything about this guy, even though he watches him for, you know, information about the stock market. He also was telling me about how this guy had a kid and everything. And he had no idea he was telling me this stuff. That actually seems kind of strange when you think about it. He doesn't actually know this person, right? But this is yeah. what... It is to be a social media creator, right? You are building a community. These are people who support you. These are people who have probably seen you start off with nothing, right? Start off in your house, in your garage, in your closet, you know, whatever it is that you're doing with really bad production quality. And they've seen you like really grow and grow. You see some of them say like, I was following you since like, you know, you had like 10,000 followers and now you have a million and it's so great to see you grow. 
these are people who love to see this for you, right? There are always going to be people who are like, you know, they don't want to, they're not happy for you. But I'd say the vast majority of people are very normal, very practical. They're very caring. They're very nice. You know, I, I know that like social media can feel, feel very polarizing, but that's, that's just the extremes of it, right? In the middle are very normal people who are very pumped for you. They feel like you're their friend. And when they walk up to you, they like ask about your, you know, they're not asking, they're not walking up and being like, can I get your autograph? Nobody has ever asked for my autograph, right? <laughs> like they walk up and they say, oh my God, it's so good to meet you. Like, can I, you know, like, I got to tell you, like I did this, this and this, and I learned so much from you because and my skin has completely changed. They usually are glowing. Like they usually, yeah. they're usually like, oh, so proud of their skin. Cause they, you know, they're talking to me or they'll like ask about my babies. Cause they also have babies the same age. I mean, like this is not the same thing as being an actual celebrity. You are building a community. And I think that, you know, like as time goes on, that community just continues to grow with you. Right. Like you that's, and I think that's the thing to remember is that your community will stay with you forever. Even if they don't follow you. You know, like they, especially like in skincare, once you've figured out your issues and you've nailed it, you don't need to keep watching the same kind of content over and over again, but you will remember that that person taught you something. Right. And so yeah, I think this yeah. is, this is the way to think about social media. So as it evolves over time, yes, it's exhausting. I have never in my 15 years, I guess now in social media and, and digital, never seen competition like this between platforms before. And I think that that mm. is very exhausting for the creator, right? Where mm. they're trying to keep up with all the different tools that are happening on every single app. Every single app wants to take the other one out. So they're creating competitive tools. And in order to be successful, at least like in the eyes of people, right? To like get growth and engagement, you have to participate in all of these things. So you can't just post pictures on Instagram anymore that used to get you followers, right? You have to post videos, not just not just reels though, you have to post your uh, long form videos to kind of mix it up a little bit. You have to post stories. You have to do a few lives. Same thing on TikTok. You have to have like your short 15 second clips, but also do long form because you know what? They're adding 10 minutes now. So they want long yeah. form and they want well, stories now. You have to have music too, right? You got to get exactly. the right music for TikTok as well. Yeah. And so to think, when you think about this, that is exhausting for a creator, especially somebody new to this space, right? Again, I've been in this for so long, I've seen how all of these platforms evolve, right? Like everyone talks about how TikTok's so amazing. It's like the algorithm is so much better. Like Instagram's dead. Please just wait. I've been long enough to see how each social media app changes because they need to eventually make money, you know? And yeah. so yeah. of course they're going to all hate TikTok in like four more years when tic like you've already, we can already see TikTok changing, right? And, yeah. and it's always so funny to me when I hear creators say, oh, this platform completely changed. You know, like I hear this a lot about Instagram. Like it's no longer a photo sharing app. Where have you been? It was, it's not being a photo sharing app like five years ago, right? It's yeah. just that you weren't paying attention. They tell you everything that they want you to do. They want you to be successful because it only helps, it helps their platform. So if you really pay attention to the trends, they're going to help you if you help them, right? It's like a handshake. You are in this together and you're going to grow if you participate, right? In the ways that they want you to. <clears throat> and so I've seen every single app do this. You know, I, I, you mentioned like the different numbers, you know, I fully believe that this day and age, it's impossible to, to succeed at all of the apps, at least not at one time, not when you're getting started. Right. So when I started social media, I focused on YouTube, I created a Pinterest, 
I created a Facebook account. I created an Instagram account, but I didn't make them my focus. I just yeah. made YouTube my driving force. That was the that was the place I was going to be consistent. I was going to nail the concept. I was going to get to a specific number every single year. That was the platform. And once I hit those numbers, then I shifted a little bit, right? And then I went to Instagram and I started to make Instagram more of a focus. Now there's TikTok and Pinterest and all of that kind of stuff, right? I like for me, I think at this point, I'm not so concerned with growing. I'm more concerned with maintaining that community that I have because I really yeah. think that that's at this point so much more um, uh, valuable, I guess, as a, as a creator. It's way more valuable to see your community and give them what they want and what they need because, you know, especially on TikTok, I, I've seen so many people come through my feed and I don't know any of their names right? Like they're, it's very yeah. rare at this point that I even know who these people are. I just watch their content and scroll right by. And then I save yeah. stuff, scroll right by. I could not tell you any of their names besides maybe like Michaela, who's like the biggest of the beauty TikTokers, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's a whole different place and you don't want that. You want to remember that your value is when they follow you, they believe in you and they're consistent with you, right? So you have to keep that in mind. So I don't care if I don't have a big following on TikTok. I have a massive following on YouTube. I actually have a massive Facebook following. People don't think about that too. But like that is where my, I mean, people still say they see my videos and people are also losing sight of the fact that like, as I'm aging, Facebook is where I want to be, right? Like yeah. I don't necessarily need the TikTokers and the 13 year olds who doesn't understand what I'm talking about anyway, right? Like I want the women who are my age or older or, you know what I mean? Like, these are the people that I reach anyway. They're going to connect with me. So focus on what works for you and what you do and your demographic, all of that. But stick to, like, master one platform. Be on all the others, yeah. master one. And then once you, did, once you get that, you'll have learned so much. You'll knock out. If I wanted to dominate TikTok, I kid you not, I would dominate TikTok if I wanted to. <laughs> these kids would not know it was coming, right? But it's just not my focus anymore, you know? Yeah. I think focus is super critical, right? Because yep. in a lot of ways where the success is in any one platform is like really deeply understanding all the nuance, all the inside jokes, all the different platform features, right? Like, so if you're going to be good, be really good at one of them. I think mm -hmm. that's definitely the way to go. Mm -hmm. um, and I think on the, it's really interesting to think about. So one of the things that you said was like, you know, less so i'm less focused on growth more focused on kind of the level of depth right mm -hmm. and in a lot of ways you think about okay who's been following your youtube channel for five years 10 years or longer um you know these people are deeply connected to you right mm -hmm. and that's got to be a big part of the reason that Naturium has done so well right because these mm -hmm. people have deep trust in like who you are as a mm -hmm. person and your expertise in these kinds of things and I wonder in some ways, because of the way that TikTok is designed, where you don't see everybody open people, right? Like I actually yeah. don't, there'll be times where, you know, I have people that I follow and I only see 10% of their videos, right? Yeah. It's like, oh. Because like, you're mostly I'm on your not, For You page. Yeah. And so I'm really not, and I think most people spend time on their For You page, right? Not on their, what their following page, the follow page. And so I remember one time I got on my followed page and I was like, I just kept seeing the same people over and over again. I was like, what is wrong? Like, why is it broken? But anyways, long story short, it's interesting. So TikTok, you don't build as deep 
of an engagement with your community, mm-hmm. um, you can grow faster if you get something that's viral, but um, the level of, of connection is not not quite there, which is, I hadn't really thought about before. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's not the same kind of connection. So you want to have that connection. I think that's very important. And it's the way we build a brand also. I mean, any kind of brand, and it's not just your skincare brand. You have to build a community, right? And so if, you know, when I think about Neutrium, like everyone's like, oh my gosh, in two years, two and a half years, Neutrium has grown so quickly. Honestly, I've been building Neutrium for years because I started my community years ago. I'm going, I'm going on my ninth year of having mixed makeup. So if you really think about that collectively, like the brand is really an extension of this community, right? And yeah. so, uh, you know, gr- granted, like we have like new, new, new customers and people that have never been part of it before, but I continue to make my content. I, in fact, hired, you know, a, a whole entire executive team recently because I know where my strength is and my strength is my community, right? And so yeah. if I'm really focused in on all the business side of Naturium, Besides, you know, obviously I want to know obviously everything about my products and be part of formulation and stuff. But when it comes to the numbers, that's not my big focus for the brand, right? Like I, I can hire people to do that stuff for me, but maintaining your community is so much more important. And I've been doing it for years and I want to make sure that they are still the most important people. For sure. And I mean, I have felt it. I'm about, I'm about 10 years into tribe and it's like, I didn't really get even what the word community meant until Mm -hmm. like maybe three years ago when I was like, oh, wow, this is a real thing, right? The Mm -hmm. like reputation and trust and network. It's like, well, it's like this podcast, right? We're now top 5%, I think globally in terms of podcasts. Thanks. And it's like- It's a fun podcast. You've got a podcast podcast voice too. Yeah. (laughs) You've got that like nice smooth voice, you know? Oh, that's, I'm glad. I'm glad. I am- but, you know, the only reason this was possible was because I, we had built a lot of trust and a big community of people that we could bring in and have on, right? And that mm-hmm. we were starting from square one. It never, never would have happened, right? Yep. And so, um, yeah, it's fascinating. Let's, so let's talk about Naturium. So, yeah. um, so obviously, uh, you know, the brand was founded a little bit before you, but you are one yes. of the founders, right? And I think yes. it really took off when you got involved. Yeah. Um, and that was around 2020, which that obviously- had some things going on in 2020. Uh, oh, yeah. You think there, there was a lot going on in everybody's life in 2020. Yeah. The talk about um, what made you decide to get involved with the brand? What some of the challenges were as we went through COVID? And then, um, you know, how it was, what it was like to work with Target? All of the, all all the things. things. Let's see. So, how much so time do we have? How much time do we have? No, uh, so, you know, okay. So, like, uh, and, okay. So, <laughs> I, what a lot of people don't realize in 2019, I had already started working on a brand. It was not Naturium. I was working on an entirely different brand. I was trying to bootstrap it and really, like, just go slow with it and, you know, get a feel of it and just go, right? Um, fast forward, like, six months later, and we are in like February of 2020 and, you know, one email from a manufacturer just like shut the whole, the whole thing down. They were like this, there's this weird, weird virus happening. They were in Korea, weird virus happening. Don't know oh. if you've like seen the news, but we're going to pivot to hand sanitizer. And if you want to launch your brand with hand sanitizer, we can do that. But the formulas we've been working on with you, got to scrap it for now. And it was this realization, right? Like I already kind of knew in my gut that I had like taken on trying to like bootstrap a business, a brand, a beauty brand, especially on my own was like uh, pretty tough. Like that is a hard thing to do, but it was, it really just solidified in my mind. Like I was in over my head. Right. And so when I got that email, 
I had already been so deep in this that I was like, I have to keep going, right? So I started reaching out to everybody that I knew in the industry to try to find help, to find a new manufacturer, everything. And at the time, I'd received some PR from Ben's team uh, for Naturium, and I was obsessed. I thought this is going to be the best thing for the industry because, you know, like people, the brands had already, and I give them lots of credit for this, brands had already come out and to like democratize skincare and stuff and show that it can be a little bit more affordable. It doesn't have to be so expensive. But those aren't necessarily like the best formulations, right? Like there's something in the middle. And uh, and I really felt like Naturium kind of nailed it with the formulation being beautiful and elegant. Packaging looked nice. Um, there was innovation in the in these formulas. It was all great. And it was for very aggressive prices, right? Like $20, everything under 25 bucks for these beautiful formulas. You know, yeah. what is it that they're doing? And Ben, who um, is my business partner on this, who was the original founder of the brand, I, I was like, I need to talk to him. I followed his career for years. He's he, I'm, he's done so much. People have zero idea who the people behind beauty brands are. And he is one of those people who is like an OG. He has been in the industry forever. He has made some of the biggest brands, him and his team, that have ever existed. He is like, it, it is him and his team who have been behind this, right? So Naturium was like his new baby and they were just kind of testing the market and everything. So I reached out to him and I was like, I want to discuss this. I like, you know, ran into these issues. I told him everything. And then I, um, you know, we, because I, I just love to give uh, unsolicited advice. I started to tell him what I thought about Naturium, right? Like, so, so I started telling him like, we need to do it. Like these pre from, you know, claims and this stuff. And like, I really think you need to narrow it to this. And like Naturium just has so much, you know, I was pumped about Naturium. And if you ask anybody, like if I find, if I find brands that I'm really into products that I'm really into, I am all for promoting that and sharing that because I really do think that like, besides friendly competition, I really think there is space for everybody out there. And all, honestly, the best man always wins, right? Like it's, it's really not that kind of a competition. I think friendly competition is great. I love friendly competition. But in the end, like we are our own businesses, we are doing our own thing. Like, I think we can share information and be happy for each other, right? So I was really pumped about Naturium. Um, and I just like, I was trying to get Ben to help me, like work with me on my brand. I have this great idea, very similar actually. You know, I feel like this is the right price point. I know exactly what my, my followers want. I have years and years of data, data that brands could only wish for, right? Like, I think this is something that, that influencers yeah. don't really understand that they have. They have access to so much data, you know, like, if you use affiliate links, like people, I've gotten teased before about affiliate links because I'll put like an affiliate link on something that's like, you know, it costs like $2 for this. And they're like, you're really trying to claim the affiliate link on that. And it has no, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the money. It really doesn't, you don't, you don't always make that much money mm. on affiliate links. It's more about knowing the data, right? And data is so important because it tells you so much mm. about what your followers are interested in, right? Um, so yeah. And so I've got yeah. years. Not because I was thinking first about yeah. market trends. It's like, no, 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 no. It's about my community. My community. My community. Yeah. I know my right. community very yeah. deeply. I interact with them. I see what they're clicking on. I see what they're buying, all of it. Right. And I have this for almost nine years at this point. Right. And so, um, yeah. you know, I was like talking to him about all of this and I, and, you know, we kept having these conversations and, and we laughed because this is only something that would have happened during the pandemic. You know, it would have taken us years to build this, build this relationship and decided to become business partners. But because we were in lockdown and there wasn't a lot to do, 
we got into these deep conversations about brands and we had this realization that like we really had very similar visions in in a lot of ways and you know one day he tells me he goes um you know i've been thinking about this and and why would i why would we work on separate brands when we could work on one brand he's like the, you love naturium you have helped shape naturium to this point um he's like the yeah. brand is only a few months old why why wouldn't why wouldn't you want to just join us for naturium and i was like interesting you know and so you know i and again i you know i think at the time had i not been you know just so quickly shut down trying to bootstrap this myself right i i would have i might have been like too headstrong and been like no i want to do this on my own i don't trust investors right um <clears throat> and yeah, and then at yeah. the time you know we built this like strong it was almost like we were online dating it's crazy it's like strong relationship within like 2 months so i was like you know what let's do this let's let's do it. Let's kill it together. Right. So, you know, we, we went into, it took a little while. It took like a few months of going back and forth with our attorneys and everything to like really work out the details of the ownership and everything. But, you know, it, it got solidified in June of 2020, which was super exciting. And I, I'm going to tell you, I want the editors to like put the, the Beyonce, that let me upgrade you song, like baby, like partner, let me upgrade you. Like it was, it was <laughs> night and day between what I could do on my own versus what I could do with an experienced, yeah. amazing team, right? Like the the team at the incubator yeah. I joined, yeah. they have so much collective experience in the beauty industry. When we got all our minds together, it was like magic. Like I know I know I don't think that this will ever happen again. You know, like it was like just amazing <laughs> how we could work together. You know, it was like Ben felt like my fairy godmother suddenly. It was like I suddenly had this <laughs> the, this beautiful brand that had already like had a lot of the framework put into place and I was he was essentially telling me like do you give it the vision, you know, like go for it, right? Yeah. So it was it was amazing and and you know like to go from like trying to beg contract manufacturers to work with me, you know, to like suddenly like the biggest manufacturers, like I see like some of the biggest brands, some of the ones that you even like mentioned probably that we've like surpassed on the list going down the line next to my brand. Right. And it's like so surreal to be like, I went from really? like, you know, begging, begging to have someone make my products <laughs> to like, now that's like, they want to make my products. They can't wait. Right. Like, and it's, it was like such a huge upgrade. It really was. And and I realized like, this is what I needed. You know, I needed this kind of experience and this kind of team to help me, you know, bring the vision to life. And that that's honestly what Naturium is. It's amazing. Yeah, I've seen that really consistently across brands. Like you saw with Rare Beauty as well. Like their founding mm -hmm. team is the same founding team at NYX. And like, yeah, they're mm -hmm. definitely working with Selena and she's a big part of the brand. But having that team on the back end to kind of take it to the next level is so impactful, right? On the operations side. Yep. Um, and I was talking to your new CEO, who is the old COO yep. at Tatcha, and his name's escaping yep. me. Right and at now. Fresh, he, uh, Francois. Francois. Yeah, Francois. Yeah, he, I mean, he's got a resume like a like an amazing resume. I mean, he was at Fresh at LVMH. Yeah, he's done a lot in the beauty space. So he was claiming that you guys are growing faster than Tatcha ever grew too. So can you give like high level, just so people have a, a idea of scale, like how fast is the business growing and like where is it doing well? And talk to me about, about that a little bit. I mean, um, I guess like to, to not get into too many numbers, I, I saw there is a number floating out there 
um, that last year we hit $50 million in retail sales. Yeah. And that is true. And we're going to be bigger this year, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like the the place, I mean, we're doing well. It's it's almost like a 50-50 split. Like it's it's like, it's a little bit more e-com because we also have Amazon, right? So it's like e-com and Amazon are our two biggest drivers. And then we have Target and we're working on distribution. We have small distribution in Australia. We're, we're working on massive distribution about to happen in like Europe, um, nice. and UK and Canada and stuff. So we're working on all of this and, and I maintain it's, uh, you know, like everyone has had supply chain issues, right. Yeah. But having a team who understands this stuff, who are experienced and been in this industry forever, we were able to, to kind of foresee what was about to happen. Right. Forecasting is a big part of, of brand success. Um, you know, I think for a lot of influencers, they think that like, going out of stock is like a big marketing move. I think it's terrible, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I think you should be saying things differently. If you don't have products in stock, you are not selling your products, right? You are not giving people the products they need. And I, I really believe this, this is the way I think about content. And this is the way I think about brand building, especially for skincare. You are not supposed to focus on a viral product or a viral video. You are supposed to go you're supposed to think long-term, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Building that slow cadence. When it comes to skincare, if you don't have your products in stock, then people don't get to be consistent with their skincare routine. And consistency is key all around, right? If you want to have perfect skin that you love and you know you want to see you know some of your skin issues go away, you have to consistently use your products. If a product goes viral and it disappears and they can't have access to it, then we've done a bad job of forecasting and those people aren't going to be able to to stick with your skincare products and they're not going to see that change happen. So, you know, I, I really think that's a huge part of our success. Yeah. Forecasting in the digital age does not sound fun. Because uh, <laughs> you, it's not because you, like, you don't know oh. if an influencer is going to be like, this is it. And then you're like, Oh gosh, we weren't planning for this. Yeah, yeah. It's exciting. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Exciting. Everyone loves to sell out of something, but in a, in the time of now where it's supply chain, there are always supply chain issues. It is very hard to deal with out-of-stock issues. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's do one more question. And it's a question I probably should have asked mm -hmm. earlier, but you gotta ask it now. And then we'll do one fun end of show question. So, okay. um, last question. Obviously, you know the creator side, you know the brand side. Talk to me about, you know, and you've gone up the rankings rapidly over the last couple of years in terms of influencer coverage. What has been your approach to working with other creators on, the beha on behalf of Notorium or, you know, as part of Notorium? Um, so talk to me yeah. a little bit about, about that. How do you, how do you approach it? What are some of your philosophies? Well, you know, I, again, I go back to community. If people are skincare creators, there's a very good chance that they've seen some of my content or actually follow me. And I feel like, you know, I, I remember yeah. what it was like to be just a few years ago, a content creator who was struggling to get brands to notice me, to get my following, to, you know, just be consistent and, and stay you know, in that good, in the good graces of brands too, right? Like you want them to notice you. And, um, and when you're a smaller creator, they don't, right? And I think this is obviously shifting with, with TikTok mm -hmm. trends. Um, but being a micro influencer back in the day was so unglamorous, right? Like it, you, it was not fun and you yeah. felt the struggle yeah. hard. And so I really focus on micro influencers, our small community, right? They're, they're the community of smaller creators, um, I think they're very important. And I think that if you don't focus on them, then you're making a big mistake because big influencers, when they have massive followings, they can't keep up. They are expensive. 
like astronomically sometimes. Sometimes you're like, this the ROI on this just makes zero sense. Like, why would I want to work with somebody who has, you know, even if they have 10 million followers, why would I want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to work with them if we can't even guarantee that I'm going to get that money back at very least, right? Whereas you can reach out to, and and by the way, they don't even care about your content. You're just like another drop in the in the bucket for them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So and and not to not to not to you know obviously there are some amazing huge creators out there, and I'm so grateful for those relationships too. But the relationships that if I could only choose one, it would be the micro influencers because they are so much more important. They are so much more invested in the brand with you, right? Like they actually are excited about your new launches. They want to know about all the little details, you know, like we like do so much research on innovation and new ingredients. And do you think a big influencer cares about that? They do not care, right? (laughs) But when it comes to your community, the smaller influencers, this is what they live for. They're like, this is the good stuff, right? Like they want your brand because they know that you put all that time and effort into it and you're not trying to create a viral product. And I think this is a big mistake that a lot of brands have made. They are trying to find, they're trying to create a viral product, but a viral product, great. You're going to have money for in the meantime, but like, how are you going to keep customers coming back to your brand and sticking with a consistent skincare routine, especially with skincare makeup? I get it. It's seasonal. It's like fashion. It comes and goes, right? But your skincare, you have to be consistent. You cannot be focused on making just viral products all the time. So you have to make products that are really good. And it is your smaller micro-influencers who care about that. They want to hear from you. They want to know about all this stuff. They love incentives. They love when you acknowledge them. I'm all about the micro-influencers. Well, I can tell you from a data-driven perspective, that's the way to go. When we look at Mm -hmm. the data, the brands that grow are are more likely to grow very quickly, tend to outperform with micro-influencers. So when compared to their peers, they out-index with micro-creators because like you said, easier to work with, they do grow over time. So when you build relationships with them early, they remember it years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, they connect with their audience in a meaningful way, right? Like it's yeah. a real thing. Um, okay, so let's do one fun end of show question, not as okay. serious. So in an interview, I think I read that um, you said one of the nice benefits of your background was there's always uh, tortillas, kimchi, and rice. At every uh, kimchi, rice, right? and tortillas. That's the name of my book, my 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 fictional, no, it's not fictional, my, my non-existent book right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, so what's interesting is with your husband, you've added a new culture as well, right? Yeah, curry. And- <laughs> <laughs> and so uh so what's what's always at your table right what what what's the what are the consistent staples in your family i mean i there aren't any like actual staples i think what the beauty of having a multicultural family is is that we have all different foods right my kids yeah. my five-year-old my two-year-old they have eaten everything. My my son loves sushi. He eats crab. He loves Indian food. He loves Korean food. I mean, he specifically asks us. Sometimes we're like, geez, okay. He's like asking for like <laughs> dumplings, like soup dumplings for dinner tonight. You know, like he's not asking for mac and cheese. He's asking yeah. for, which there's nothing wrong with that because my daughter loves her mac and cheese also, right? But oh, yeah. like, it's it's amazing to, to have that kind of experience with your kids. We travel with them. They get to experience different, even different relationships religion, you know, like it's, it's so much fun to introduce all of this culture to them, because they don't even realize like how rich they are, right? Like they get, they get, they get so much exposure, and worldly exposure, 
And, um, and I, and I just think, I know like as a child, it felt terrible to me. I hated it. Right. But yeah. and now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, wow, I really grew up with such rich experiences that I, there's, I would, you couldn't even pay for it. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because I mean, you've been in LA for a long time or you were in LA now in Florida and I'm, you know, Northern California, which I mean, there is a lot of different cultures and there's just a lot of food, right? There's a lot of different mm -hmm. options. And so for me, it feels so natural to be like, oh yeah, I eat a ton of different things, like all these different meals. Um, uh, and I don't think it's like that everywhere, right? No, so, uh, it's not. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking out the time and I'm so glad I got to meet you. Um, and I can, I'm wishing you continued success with the Nitarium. 50 million in retail sales is no joke and you're making it bigger. That is crazy. That's a whole, yeah. whole new level. So congrats. Uh, and, uh, and thanks again for, for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, hearing everything. It was so much fun. I love talking about all this stuff. Yeah, no. And the best part is I'm like, man, we didn't get to half the stuff I wanted to get to. We only got to like half of it. So we'll have to, we'll have to have it back again. And when you're over a hundred million, we'll bring you back, which maybe that's too soon. Maybe 200 million. Got it. Uh, we'll bring you Got back. it. That's a good goal. I like it. Awesome. All right. Bye, Susan. Thanks, Connor. Be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe. Earned by Creator IQ. Creator IQ is your all-in-one solution to grow, manage, scale, and measure your influencer marketing program. Ready to unlock the power of the creator economy? Get started with a demo today at creatoriq.com.